greatest new podcast in the world. From WWE to DNA Impact. By way of the NWA, it's time for Reffing It Up. With legendary referee Brian Hebner. An all new episode starts in... This, this is Reffing It Up. Welcome back to another episode of Reffing It Up with Brian Hebner. I am the man with the magical voice, RJ. He is the man of the stripes, the one, the only, Mr. Brian Hebner. Brian, what's up, man? What is going on, RJ? What is going on? Uh, before we get going, I do want to say that uh, this drops on Wednesday. And uh, on Wednesday, Ion, or Ian, the hurricane, is going to be hitting in Florida as a Category 4. Mm-hmm. So um, I have a lot of friends out there. And... Um, in that part of the world. And I just want to say that, uh, thinking about you guys and I hope you stay out of harm's way because this thing is, uh, really picking up some juice. And as we speak right now, it's a category two over a hundred miles an hour passing the Caribbean. Um, I'm not a big weatherman, obviously, as you can tell, but, uh, <laughs> I, I do pay attention and I just feel bad for those folks out there. And so, um, uh, we've been lucky so far this year with hurricane season. So now this is, I guess, this is the, the big one that we're kind of avoided. Yeah, because I think it's the second one. Because I think when we were when we were recording with JBL last week, there was one going on in the Caribbean over uh, Puerto Rico, and uh, it's that time of the year, though, man. It's really revving up. Because I know, I think when my wife and I got married, and we got married in October, and uh, we were worried about we we're going to go down to Florida because her family at the time had a house down there on the Gulf Coast, and we're like, oh, we're going to go down there or just get down there, and the house is there for us and whatever. Like, oh, crap, hopefully it's not a hurricane or something, because being in North- Northeast, we never been through a hurricane. So, um, right. no, but definitely but thinking of everybody down there in Florida and hopefully everything uh, goes as well as uh, as well as it can be. I'm, obviously, if you live in Florida, you've uh, been through a couple, two, three, if, uh, if not before. So. But before we get started, too, Brian, I just wanted to thank everybody for the positive feedback that we got for uh, last week's episode on JBL. Um, a lot of, and I sent you a few of them, uh, you know, too many to name at this time, but, um, just a lot of positive feedback, at least on my end. And I know you got some back too, as well, right? I did. Um, you know, that, and that's what this podcast is all about. It's about storytelling and it's about letting the listeners know, you know, things they wouldn't know otherwise without listening. You know what I mean? And it's fun stuff and serious, some stuff. And, uh, sometimes it can be the old angry Brian, uh, but <laughs> no, not always, but just, you know, but no, no I, we really, really do appreciate it. Um, I had a great time with JBL. I talked to him afterwards and uh, he had a super blast and was wanting to do it again. I'm like, calm down, calm down. We'll get, we'll, we'll, we'll get there again. And so it, it was awesome. I, I, I really, you know, I listened back obviously as we both have to, to edit it and all that kind of thing. And yeah. uh, it was a pretty good episode. I really, really enjoyed it. And uh, I thought it was, you know, one of the top ones we've done. Yeah, I really think it was because it's and a lot of the times, too, because when we do podcasts like that, they go an hour and a half, hour and 45, even close to two hours. Like I know we've we've done a few of them and I'm like, I don't I don't mind it when it's got that much juice in that show. And JBL is one of those guys where you could, as you know, sit at the bar, put a drink in front of both ears and say, "Okay, go tell me about this or tell me about that. And uh you know, can't say good enough things about him. And, and obviously if you want to follow his journey, he's got uh, stories with Briscoe and Bradshaw, uh, wherever you hear this podcast, you can get that podcast as well. So go give them a listen too. It's definitely, uh, definitely worth your time. 
Um, but before we get to our main topic for this episode is this Samoan submission machine himself, Samoa Joe. Uh, man, okay, I'm looking forward to this one too, Brian. Each and every week I look forward to the show, but this one even more so. But before we go to that, let's send it up to the first count. It's Kurt Angle, 1996 Olympic gold medalist and 13-time world professional wrestling champion for Curable Active. My job for years as a top professional wrestler was to give millions of wrestling fans five-star matches they would remember for a lifetime. But to do my job, I had to put my body on the line. Unfortunately, I'm paying the price with injuries I've had on the mat and in the pro wrestling ring. My neck, which I broke five times, and I just had double knee replacement surgery, so I know pain. Aches and pains are part of life and pain sucks. You can suffer with it or manage it with all-natural Curable Active. This decision changed my life. I apply Curable Active daily to my achy areas for soothing pain relief. If Curable Active can get me through my day, there's a good chance it can help you too. Get Curable Active just like thousands of others and save 20% today. Go to curable.com, use promo code KURT20. That's K-U-R-I-B-L.com, code K-U-R-T-20. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your first count. So the last, I'd say maybe few weeks, Brian, we saw a different side of Dominic Mysterio. Um, a, somebody that you're very familiar with. Obviously, you worked with his dad, Ray, so often there on SmackDown over the years when you're in uh, WWE there. Uh, how are you? What do you think of this? Dra- not drastic. It was something that was always, you know, playing along you know and you knew it was going to happen eventually um you know and it officially happened there in Riyadh uh as well so what do you think of this whole new side of Dominic I think it's actually pretty cool um you know he's got this little baby face which he's always had he's been the cutest little kid man ever since I met him uh when he was a little boy um and he's got that Eddie Guerrero-esque look uh, which... <laughs> but that's his real his real father right Yes, yes, his father, he's looking more and more like his father. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's it's really intriguing, and I think he's doing a marvelous job of transforming yeah. himself and getting his character. So, I'm looking forward to it. It's it's um, it's it's really really neat, and I'm sure this is really something really cool for him too, because this is something I'm sure he's never done. So this is really cool. Yeah. Um, but like I said, it's 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 got that Eddie-ish thing to it with the way he looks and all that and his expression, so which makes it even cooler. Yeah, and and, and I think. And you should, and you probably know as well. It's his dad's has a hand in it too, because it's one of those things that you go, you got to throw it past Ray. Cause Ray really, I don't can't remember Ray really ever being a heel. He's always been that consummate baby face, even going back to, uh, to WCW, maybe when he was like the part of the filthy animals or what have you towards the end of his, uh, WCW run before they closed the doors. But, um, and I think too, with Dominic, is he's paired up with three great in-ring talent and on the mic. You got Rhea Ripley, uh, Damian Priest, and, um, and um, excuse me, Finn um, Balor. Yeah. And those three, especially Finn, he's got a what he's a wealth of knowledge. If you ever saw his stuff over from overseas before he came over to uh, to the states, his stuff in Japan. Um, even with Priest, when he was stuff stuff with uh, with ROH, is just they complement each other so well. Yeah, they do a good job. WWE does of uh, pairing up people 
um, especially that need that that little help. Um, I, I, I think this is going to be good, man. I, I'm enjoying the story and uh, we'll see where it goes. Yeah, he's looking more and more like his real father every day. But anyways, we'll move on from that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm just jealous of his hair, to be honest with you. He's growing that sweet, sweet mullet. So uh, next up, last week, last Wednesday, as we're recording, Chris Jericho uh, beat Claudio to win the ROH heavyweight title at AEW Grand Slam there in um, Arthur Ashe Stadium there in Flushing, New York. Dude, I don't think I've ever seen you more active on Twitter in the last probably week than I ever have. Uh, dude, I, I uh, what are your thoughts? Obviously, you kind of made them fairly, <laughs> fairly evident there on uh, Wednesday night uh, with especially with this match. I, I well, I was shocked, first of all, which is what I like to be. It was mm-hmm. awesome. Um, I did not see that coming. I didn't understand why why it happened that way. And now that I've reflected on things, um, it makes a lot of sense. Um, because to me now I, I, I know nothing, obviously this is me speculating like everyone else does. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a, a way to make that title mean more than it's ever meant before, because this is the hall of famer, the legend himself, Chris Jericho, who is known by anybody and everybody. And I think it's a power play for the Ring of Honor and a TV deal. And I think that's the face you want to put on it. And I think now that I think about it, it makes a lot of sense. At first, I'm not going to lie. I I thought it made no sense to put that belt on Jericho. I mean, I thought Jericho was bigger than that title. Um, But now now that I'm reasoning it out and not just blabbing off on Twitter, um, Mm -hmm. it makes sense to me. And I think this is just a huge huge smart power play to build the ring of honor name and make that title elevated and to make people that are in the TV world say, Ooh, this thing does have some, some power. It's got some pull. So I think, you know, looking at it like that, I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense. You know, and even at, at first though, too, and I, I messaged you about it. I initially, I was, I was pretty pissed off about it because it's like, why, why are you going to give it to Jericho? And I'm a huge Jericho fan, as you know. There's no discredit on him whatsoever. Uh, I, I, at that time, it was more towards the booking of it. I'm like, what sense does this make when you have guys in the back that could legitimately run with this title and actually make it mean something? And then probably next day or so, I'm like, oh, it does actually make sense because then I'm thinking, okay, well, Jericho, it's going to bring eyes to the title. Jericho is going to make it relevant again. And in addition to that, you could get him in feuds with like Dan, uh, Daniel Garcia, who's the uh, pure champion. And you can get him guys at that level that are looking for that next step, that next push to really elevate their career. And Jericho has been very, very good at that since he's been with the company of elevating these younger talents to that next level, guys like a hangman page that quite frankly, wasn't having the best matches until he had Chris, he faced Chris Jericho and put him over, you know, he, he's had knockout drag outs with Kenny Omega with, uh, with John Moxley, uh, with Eddie Kingston. Um, so I think that is, 
the reasoning behind it, they're really making it relevant again. It'll be interesting to see this Wednesday, excuse me, tonight, what they're going to do with it. Because well, their that first move is going to mean everything. It's either they're either going to go, you know, flourish, or they're going to fall flat on their face. Well, I also saw that, uh, you know, I think he's defending the title on Dynamite um, against a former Ring of Honor champion, is the way it was uh, worded. Um, so that right there for me gives me a little excitement for that show. Um, and you know, you have to remember too, this guy Jericho that we're talking about. Um, when he was in WWE, there was a while he went through, and I'm not sure about timetable, but I know I'm close, for like a year or a year and a half and never won a match. Mm-hmm. Never won a match. Stayed relevant, stayed popular, and it didn't hurt him one bit. And it's because Jericho knows how to get the job done, put talent, and elevate people. Mm-hmm. And hats off to that guy. So to me, it makes a lot of sense now. Well, and, and and Jericho's always been that guy, like you said. When you've seen you, when you saw him in the in WWE, he was a constant, always going, reinventing himself. What's next? He's not looking at behind him. He's not looking, you know, ahead of him too much. But he's looking at the present. You know, his stuff that he did with Kevin Owens before he left to go to AEW. Uh, his stuff in New Japan that he did with Okada, uh, and the, just the laundry list of stuff he did over there with Kenny Omega and all that stuff, but it just, it takes some time and you have to actually think and understand what their moves are when you're dealing with AEW. Unfortunately, it takes, you know, sometimes with WWE, it's like, okay, that's why. And you get it right off the bat. It's like instant gratification with AEW. You have to kind of sit there and let it sit and simmer for a little bit. Well, think about it like this too. I mean, where's your, your room to wiggle, with anybody else but Jericho, how can it go bad? You know what I mean with that guy. Yeah, and I think that's the thinking. That and, and to me, you know, you could call it whatever you want, lazy booking, whatever it is, and just do it on the obviously, on the obvious. Excuse me, on the obvious person. I I, I don't really see it that way. I think it's a smart booking, especially if you're looking for a TV deal. Because mm-hmm. what bigger name are you going to put on that title than Chris Jericho at this point? Yeah. Really. But the thing is, though, too, if everybody that the kinds of thing I saw online was, oh, it's going to be a, a rampage title. It's going to be only on taped shows. It's only going to be, you know, on YouTube. It's only going to be on Friday night at 10 o'clock. Well, no. To really make this work, they're going to have to put it, find a way to get it on Wednesday night on prime time on TNT or TBS, wherever they have it. Because that's, that's what they're, that's what this is going to need. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't think you should outshine your AEW title by any means but at least put it somewhere towards the mid middle of the card. See, I don't think, I mean, yeah, I agree. But, I, but what I don't agree with is that this is not the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is to have its own separate identity in a show. Right. Um, that's what the deal is. Um, and I do, mm-hmm. you know, me and you commented on this not long ago. I don't remember how long ago it was. Time is like a crazy thing that goes by me, like unbelievably, uh, sure. where, where it was overshadowed its, its own title on uh, AEW. They were the main event of that, of that show, that broadcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I thought was kind of crazy. Uh, but it, there's something going on to make this happen the way it did. And I think ultimately they want their own show, their own platform for that title and that company. Yeah. And who knows? And I may be completely wrong. I usually am. 
maybe they will put it on a Friday night and really drive those ratings up, really make that show a little bit more relevant than it has been because, you know, I've looked at the numbers and that's kind of been somewhat down, <laughs> so to speak. But anyways, tough night, tough night in a, in a tough right. time. Right. Uh, so I saved the best for last, Brian. And anybody that listens to this show, anybody that knows you, knows your, how can I put this? Uh, your immense knowledge of the refereeing uh, field, we'll say, per se. Uh, your way of critiquing certain talent, certain uh, referees in the ring. Man, I, and this week there was no holding back. <laughs> you know, you put it out there. It was fairly common. I saw a bunch of my buddies commented on Twitter too. So, um, man, I it just, if it's not, when it rains, it pours. Well, so, oh boy. So this is basically, was a bad week. Uh, was a bad week of wrestling for referees. Um. A, it saw a lot of referees trying to just not see the obvious. In other words, not understanding the heat spot, not understanding a nut shot, not understanding using a weapon, not understanding a man using their manager on the outside. And I just get so sick of it because it can be so avoided. And I know all these companies that I've watched have great people backstage and I don't understand how this goes and gets slipped away. And I also think that these referees now need to start standing up for themselves and liking or not liking the spot that they are told to do. I understand being told what to do. I get it. That's the way to stay out of trouble and to keep a job. I get it. All right. But there's also a way of having your say so as far as what you're doing, as far as your job goes to make that job better for everyone involved. And that's what's being missed. And then I have to call the elephant in the room. I have met this guy several times. He's a very nice guy. It has nothing to do with him as an individual or, or a human being. But the Bryce, the referee Bryce, um, mm -hmm. what is his last name? I'm sorry. Archie. Remsburg. Okay. Bryce Remsburg. Well, once again, a very, very nice guy, but it's time for someone to let this guy know he is killing matches and taking away the power and taking away the show, taking away the story, because it's not about him. He's over dramatic with too many things. Sometimes I see some things that makes me just sit here and really laugh because it actually is funny because that's how outlandish it's, it's become. And nobody's even seeing it. It seems like that works for that company. And it's beyond me. Um, I think the guy's a good referee. But he's not when he does all these things. So if somebody gets slapped, he's grabbing his face. If somebody gets kicked in the back, he's holding his back. He's jumping up and down. He's just over the top. And I understand being involved and caring about what's going on in the ring and showing natural. When I say natural, I'll explain that if you'd like. But natural expressions. I've never once watched an MMA match and watch the guy and the referee sell everybody that gets knocked out. They don't do anything. They do their fucking job. And that's what we need to do. It's okay if you're, it's a spot where you're supposed to show emotion or you're supposed to show something. But not every time someone does something 
And like I say, the guy's a good referee if you take that out. Yeah, yeah, I love his count. I love his cadence. Um, I like how he tries to stick to rules. But this has got to stop. He's taking away from talent. And I think that's unfair. Um, you know, and I keep noticing he's doing some good matches, some bigger matches, which are great. Not saying he doesn't deserve it. He's probably got a mind on him that never forgets anything. And that's great. And that's very important when you're being a referee. But this jumping up and down and grabbing yourself and grabbing your face and selling your leg and selling this and that. Stop it. Nothing happened to you. Referee the match. Stop doing that shit. You're killing the product that you're in the ring with. And it just, I don't know if nobody's telling him because he doesn't know if anybody doesn't tell him. But I know he used to do this shit on the indies because I even watched a video on YouTube where he did a match and there was no wrestlers in the match. And he did it with the motions and body movement that shows someone was getting backflipped or someone was getting chopped or whatever it may be. Okay, great. You're on a big stage now, kid. That's not where you do it. And that's all I'm saying. And once again, he's a very nice guy. I've met him several times. I know he's got a lot of backstage duties he does, which even makes him more important than just being a referee. And that's great. That's fine. But that doesn't mean you could just act like a, a maniac when you're refereeing a match. How about be a referee and not selling what the boys should be selling and you selling it more than them? That's all I'm saying. And I just see it every single week, week after week after week. And this week was over the top. And it might be because of where they were at and how many people were there. Mm-hmm. Whatever. It doesn't matter to me. That doesn't make it officially okay because you had 60,000 people, whatever the notable number was. I don't mm-hmm. care what the number was. It's just, it's got to stop. It's got to stop. And I'm only saying this because I think he's a good referee and I think it can change for him. But I just, it, somebody's got to tell him. And if it's mm-hmm. me, okay, now I'm telling you, stop. You're fine. You're great. You just don't need to do all that. You don't mm-hmm. need to do all that. And go back and watch your own self if you want to. Because I'm telling you, I have sat here mad watching it, but laughed because it was so funny because mm-hmm. it's ridiculous. And as far as the other thing I touched on with the other referees, this was a moment for y'all to all get together and think about this together. Let's have a team ref kind of thing. And let's get behind each other and help each other. If we're doing spots, we're not sure of, let's ask somebody who does. Let's ask a veteran referee. Let's ask a veteran wrestler. Let's go to your agent. You know, we can fix this, but you can't just, Know the heat spot's coming, or maybe you didn't, and all of a sudden you just turned your back and act like you didn't see it. It's okay to actually catch some shit and reprimand people. It's okay. It's part of the business. So it's not a beat me up. And Bryce, this is not to beat you up, because like I said, I do think you're a good referee. It's just over the top and it's got to stop. No, with all the things that you said, you know, over the top with this, over the top with that, doing the facials, the, um, the reactions. Outside of yourself, or exclude yourself in your career. Who's somebody that, you know, they should look at, you know, watch, you know, watch tape on somebody like a, maybe like a Charles Robinson. I mean, that's fine. Yeah. yeah. Charles Robinson's fine. Watch a Mike Kyoto. Mm-hmm. Mike is great to watch. Um, you know, watch the, the referees of the past. Watch mm-hmm. the, any of the ref, Jimmy Cordares. He's another one, you know, um, that's fine. Those are referees that didn't show all this crazy emotion. It's not about you. It's not. If you're told to sell something for somebody because you're the referee in it, like I'll give you an instance. When the ring collapsed and you had Big Show and Brock Lesnar, Kyoto sold his ass off because guess what? That's what the fuck he was told to do. 
You're right. That was, a, that was an amazing moment. Okay, that needs to be sold. That's when we needed Bryce in that ring. Because Bryce would have been absolutely perfect for that. Right. But that's not what we need out of Bryce every week. Everything's not so astronomical that you have to sell it. It's just, I think everybody understands that they're listening, what I'm talking about. And if you don't know, go back and watch. Watch some of his stuff. He's a good ref. But the thing is, he adds too much to it, and it takes away from the match. I'm watching him more than I'm watching the match, which is not what you want to do. And it's not because I'm a former referee. Mm-hmm. It's just because it's, 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 that, it's that obvious. I've got buddies that come over, and they, it's basically a laughing show. I mean, it's, it's a laughing show because they're all watching him. Did you see that? We were wanted. Look what he did. Like, he just jumps out of the sky. I mean, it's it's crazy. Yeah. And do you think it's sure. something that they were just tr- they weren't trained properly when they first got trained? Or do you think it's just something that they picked up over time from, you know, work in the indies or work in other promotions that they said, OK, well, I'm, I want to try this. And it just they just kept doing it. No, I think it was a way he got over on the indie scene. Yeah. He got his name out there. He was comical and it put him out there and it was probably great and worked for where he was doing it at. But he's not there anymore. He's on the second biggest promotion in the United States. Um, you know, I, I don't know what Tony Khan's looking at. I mean, because, you know, it's obviously something that's allowed because he's been doing it since they initiated the damn show. Sure. So, I mean, it's just, it, it's, it's just a lot and too much. It just, yeah. it just needs to stop or it needs to be, I don't know, slowed down or something. It's just, you know, it's just too much. It's over the top. Well, somebody who, uh, is never over the top. He's just that right amount of coolness is Samoa Joe. So let's send it up to the second count and we'll talk a little bit about Samoa Joe. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your second count. Samoa Joe, you know, somebody that you ran into, you probably saw him the majority of the time when you were with, with TNA, right, Brian? That's the uh, the only time I was with him. Yep. Yeah, because I don't think he's, he did a little bit of a run early in 2000s. And uh, he had a developmental deal with uh, WWE. Um, but he never really, he made it to a couple um, dark matches. But, you know, it's interesting to see it. And this is the research, whether this is true or not. I, we'll leave it up to, you know, everybody listening to see, figure out what they think of it. Is when Joe was in UPW, which is ultimate pro wrestling. Um, he feuded with John Cena, but he met Bruce Pritchard and Jim Ross, who told him that he would not have a future in professional wrestling. Whether that's true or not, that's something I found in my research. Um, obviously, that's not true. Stop right there. Okay, that's so funny because I know nobody can see this at home, but I know you can. There's a highlighted section. You see that highlighted yep, section? Yep, it's the exact same part, the same thing I just read. Okay, so I found that very hard to believe. I'm almost, and I know you're just re- doing the research, like getting what you are reading. I don't believe that. No, I, don't I don't believe either. that two of the smartest guys in this business, as far as brains and scouting talent, there's no way in this fucking world that those two guys told him that. No way. Mm-hmm. No way. Well, and plus, <laughs> you, and, and plus when you're facing guys like, uh, uh, or excuse me, um, John Cena, you had S.A. Rios, who was big in the in developmental. Um, he tagged with Mike, Mike Knox. So it's not like you're being thrown against, you know, these scrubs or something off the, the garbage heap with these, you know, these independent promotions. You're, you're going against legitimate badasses, you know, in the developmental. But still, it's like, OK, well, they're legit. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, Samoa Joe, he's one of those guys, and and, and I, I don't want to get way ahead. I, I really don't. Maybe I shouldn't say anything yet, but I'm just saying I've already started, so I don't want to stop. But anyway, um, he's one of those guys in the minivan of love, which our passionate listeners will know what I'm talking about. Um, if, if not, go back to the first uh, part of the D'Lo Brown episode, and you'll know why. Exactly. So the minivan of love, which consisted of six people, I'm not even going to mention who they are. You go back and listen. It's awesome. But anyway, was one of the ones that me and Don West and D'Lo Brown said would be a major, major player outside of TNA at that time, which was seems like 100 years ago. Mm-hmm. And we were right. And we haven't missed many. I don't think we've missed any. And he was one of those in that list. And he did not let us down. And that's awesome because we were placing bets and everything. Guess what? I want some money on you, Small Joe. Thank you, buddy. <laughs> so that was probably – that was if you're – that was the minivan of love. That was probably what, 2008, nine, give or take? Yeah, something like that. Yep. Yeah. Because yeah, because you started there with TNA about that time, so I figured it was that. But um, you know, interesting side notes too that I found in my research too. Whether this is true or not, who the hell knows? Because who knows what if the half of this stuff is true? Samoa uh, Joe made a stage debut at the 1984 Summer Olympics at the age of five. Um, he became a California State Junior Judo Champion and was an all-league football player while attending Ocean View High School. Um, and before he became a professional wrestler, Samoa Joe was a mortgage broker. Um, well, I'm not shocked at all. And I would, <laughs> I'm not. If you ever sat down and talked with Joe, yeah, what a smart motherfucker he is, man. Um, I remember not long, uh, let's see. I'm trying to think where we were at. We were uh it doesn't matter. Um, I went to a lunch with, with Joe. Um, and we were in a, what do they call it? A Cabela's? Um, Cabela's? The, the, like the, the, no, yeah. It was like the, the hunting and fishing right, yeah, or, uh, it, store. Yes. And there yeah, was Cabela's. a restaurant attached to this place. Sure. Um, and me and Joe sat down there and we ate. And man, that guy dropped some knowledge on me. I'm talking about knowledge. Um what a smart guy. Um, Joe is just really, really intelligent and knows everything. I mean, he knows about everything. He knows about current events. He knows about sports. He knows about, um, shit, soccer. He knows about, you know, he knows about everything. Um, so him knowing mortgage, that's nothing. I'm sure that's nothing for him. Uh, what a, what a, what a, what a dinner that was or a lunch. It was, it was awesome. Um, it was really, really awesome. I just really got, that's where me and him really, 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 really got to know one another and be like, you're not, you're, you're not a bad guy. You're not a bad guy either. <laughs> so it was pretty awesome, man. And it was, uh, it was, he, he ate a lot of food that day too. So that, when do you think that was about probably like, was that first when he got in with DNA or cause he got in there fairly about the same time you did. Did, did he ever leave and come back at any point? He ended up leaving and then came back. And then he, what ended up happening is he ended up leaving. Um, well, let's see here. But because he, he, he would come back. Yeah. All right. Well, if I'm not mistaken, this is when he came back. So whatever year that was, because he had come back. Yes. But he, he left had- about 2015 for good. Like before he went to NXT. 
that was about 2015. So this was probably, I'd say probably mid 2000s. Okay. So yeah, that makes like, like maybe probably like, like nine or eight or something. Yeah. Okay. Cause I know he's hurt. He was hurt there though, too. Keep in mind. And, and maybe that's what it was. Maybe it was, maybe he yeah. was hurt and finally coming back. Um, but that's, that that's when that happened. I remember that for sure. Um, and I don't remember where we were at. Cause I mean, golly, we were everywhere, man. That back in those days, uh, DNA ran hard. Uh, so I don't remember where it was exactly, but, but I remember having that, um, that, that lunch with him. I do. And it was me and Craig Jenkins, um, who if people don't know. He, he, he was also in the minivan of love and was the, was the promoter and the box office guy settled up the box office. So, uh, we met and met Joe that day and, um, uh, had a hell of a dinner and, uh, man, the conversation was, was awesome. And Joe, that's when I figured out what a smart dude, this is not just a wrestler. Cause that's what I was expecting to have was a wrestler conversation at lunch. And this was not a wrestler conversation. This was an intelligent guy who sounded like a lawyer. Uh, so it was, it was nuts. Yeah. Cause he signed in June of 2005 with TNA. And then you showed up there about like 2008, if I stand corrected. Right, Brian. Yeah. It was like 2007, 2008. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was fairly new with the company with that, but did you see before that, did you see any of his ROH stuff there in the early 2000s? I know he had a I, he, had, he had a pretty good run there with Daniels. I, I did, man. I knew nothing about Joe. Um, and then when they started doing the Wednesday, I believe tapings uh, or pay per view. TNA, you mean? Yes, TNA did the yeah. pay per view. Uh, that's when I had my uh, satellite with the with the with the card gimmick that gave you access to all the shit. And right. I started I started watching Impact, and uh, I really fell in love with him immediately. I loved his character. I loved him. Uh, that's when I started to know who he was. Mm -hmm. And then finally getting to work with him was like an all moment for me. Cause I really was a huge Joe fan and I still am a huge Joe fan. I will stop and, and watch whenever I see him on. Yeah. Cause a lot of his ROH stuff that he did there in like 2002, 2003 into 2004 before he made his jump over to TNA in 2005, uh, he took a lot of those feuds and brought them to TNA, you know, feuds with Daniels feuds with uh, low key. Um, you know, he had a feud with uh Jap or Japanese super heavy or who, excuse me, a Japanese heavyweight, uh, Kenta Kobayashi, um, kind of once in a lifetime thing. in, in uh, when he made his trips to, 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 uh, to the United States in 2005. Um, but it's just a man that, you know, could really have, you know, match of the year candidates, Really, with anybody? No, Joe. Joe was that good. Um, you know what? What was most amazing to me about Joe is Joe really brought it, kind of like I explained about a Brock Lesnar, but brought it to where it was much safer. If that makes any sense. Um, I've taken many bumps from mm -hmm. Joe, and, and and I tell you, the guy protects you. I mean, he yeah. really does. Um, I've never heard anybody complain about you know the way he he looks so stiff, but he's not stiff. You know, and that's the thing. And he brings it. Um, his intensity is unmatched. And, you know, it's just like you said, to touch on what you just said a minute ago, it it makes me wonder, too, about, you know, writing sometimes. Uh, you know, you did bring some of these views over from Ring of Honor and bring them into TNA. And sometimes I think that the, the feuds were so good in Ring of Honor that TNA thought they weren't watched. So they were able to duplicate uh, these 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 fine moments that were done in Ring of Honor. And, um, you know, done again in TNA, just on a different storyline. And, I, you know, it just goes to show that, uh, 
sometimes you have to see things twice in order to get really, you know, the actual appeal by it. And uh, Christopher Daniels was a wonderful opponent for him. AJ Styles was a wonderful opponent for him. And, uh, you know, I, I going through show notes, I think there's two things majorly that put him on the map as far as Joe being Joe. And as I went through, you know, reading it, it just kind of triggered my mind and, and, and hit me. Um, when Kurt Angle debuted in TNA, that moment with him and Joe with the headbutt really, really, really made people believe, including myself, that he was a major, major, major player and a big, big star. And then, of course, when he went to the main event mafia was the ultimate that just said, okay, this guy's the fucking man. He's a star. He's a player. Those are the two moments I think that put Samoa Joe on the map. Not that he wasn't on the map before, but the big time map. Well, and I, cause I remember, cause I remember watching that live when angle debuted and just that headbutt and busted him open the hard way. That's great. That's and so it's, great. But his believability. And that's one of the things. If you've never watched a Samoa Joe match, I don't know what the hell you're doing with your wrestling life. But go out and watch his TNA stuff. 2005. Yeah, basically any of it. Specifically his stuff with Daniels, AJ, and Angle. You watch any part of those matches, those feuds, they're absolutely phenomenal. And, I, and Angle's gone on record on his own show and he's saying that Samoa Joe's has been one of his best rivalries in professional wrestling, just not TNA. Yeah, I mean, you know, you go back, and if you know Joe the way I know Joe, what would you think he said backstage after that segment was over to, to Kurt Angle? Did it look real? Um, Maybe something close to that, but I think he said, thank you, brother, that was awesome. Yeah. That's it. Knowing Joe the way I do, I wasn't backstage and I don't know what was said, but I can tell right. you, I know Joe. And Joe didn't say anything. I'm sure Kurt came up to him, the most boo boo faced, apologetic guy, because that's how Kurt Angle is. Brother, I'm sorry. Brother, I'm sorry. Joe, are you all right? And Joe's probably like, I'm fine, man. That was awesome. Mm-hmm. That was awesome. Let's do it again. That's well, Joe. And, and it, but it's, it's one of those things. It really, you know, r- put a rocket ship under both their asses. And really elevated them to that next level. You know, you, you come in as a Kurt Angle with all that history, all that lineage that you have coming into it. We're gonna put hey, we're gonna put you against Angle. Holy shit! Or we're gonna put you against Samoa Joe. Excuse me. And do if we could, I, I'm like, oh man, if we could ever got that again, and like say when, you know, Angle, all things went you know, the right way. He's still in good shape. We could have gotten that in like a, you know, NXT or WWE or something. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, no doubt. I mean, you, you gotta, you gotta imagine. So you're, you're Samoa Joe and you're working for the little engine that could. And you find out through the grapevine that Kurt Angle is possibly coming into your company. And then to find out, because you have to remember, there were, the, there were the young players that were running that roost. You know what I mean? There was your AJ Styles, your, your Samoa Joes, your uh, your, your um, uh, Bobby Roode, your Daniels. Yeah, your Kazarians. Mm-hmm. Um, those were the, the core of that group, you know, that TNA product. And then all of a sudden, you hear he's coming in and 
He's coming to you. He's right. doing a program for you. I bet Samoa Joe, his career, that would be a career moment for him. In other words, that was probably his first career moment where he probably was just like, holy shit, this is unbelievable. Because mm -hmm. Kurt Angle, at, you know, and when he made that move, was still a huge WWE star. Mm -hmm. um, I believe for TNA, that was the biggest uh, talent signing ever. Um, mm -hmm. I really do. Yeah, because that I, was like 2007. Yeah, I still think it was. Yeah. I mean, I still do. I don't think there's anything that's ever going to be duplicated. And if it is, wow, can't wait to see. But, I mean, th there, there's nothing bigger than that for them. Yeah, yeah. because yeah, January 14th of 2007 at Final Resolution, uh, Samoa Joe and Kurt Angle, 30-minute Iron Man match. Samoa Joe submitted or excuse me, not, he didn't submit him. He beat, he beat Angle uh, when Angle put uh, his ankle on but was saved by uh, submitting another fall by the time expiring. So Samoa Joe beats Kurt Angle in an Ironman match. How the hell How the hell can you not like this guy, man? Oh, it's awesome. You know, I'm kind of jealous too because uh, my dad did that match and uh, mm -hmm. I wasn't there yet. I was uh, so... Yeah. <laughs> Made me kind of mad, you know what I mean? Because that would have been, <laughs> but no, and he did a great job. He did a great job. Yeah. I mean, just uh, that would have been a great wow moment for me too, because uh, I love both of them, man. Like yeah. that would have been just like one of those huge moments for me. Yeah, you know. So uh, another guy that Samoa Joe was booked um, against, you know, Joe goes February of the uh, of two thousand nine, wins a uh, gauntlet match to become the number one contender for the NWA at that time, the NWA heavyweight championship, uh, who was, which was being held by Christian cage. So he would face him at destination X. He would ultimately lose, but this is another example of how much faith that, that, you know, impact TNA offices had in Samoa Joe, you throw him against guys like a Christian cage. A guy against guys like a Kurt Angle, AJ Styles, uh, you know, you know, uh, um, anybody like that. Daniels, it, you know, I mean, made in the shade, you know. But it was all ultimately, it's one of those things that's constantly said. Is he was destined for better? He was destined for that next up. Obviously, he would later make that, and we'll get to that briefly. But he'll make that jump over to the WWE after that. Good, bad, and different. We'll get to that. But dude, how can you how can you allow somebody like this to leave the company when you have such faith in them? Well, because you know when 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 Jeff was running things, Jeff understood and knew he had two major players. Uh, that he had to depend on, which was young and upcoming talent. And that was Samoa Joe and AJ Styles. Mm -hmm. um, he knew that. And he did things so smart to elevate and keep these guys to where they were making a household name. So he was building stars and he did it. Okay. So, you know, unfortunately, when you get different people empowered, people think differently. So I believe that <clears throat> my humble opinion was that the new regime that came in thought Joe had ran his course, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. They thought that, you know, they had seen and done everything they could do with Joe, uh, which I also believe was the case with AJ as well. 
Um, they didn't want to pay them the money they deserved. And someone like Joe and someone like AJ, who believe in and have the confidence in themselves, said, screw this, I'm out. And I think ultimately that's what it was. And I think it's a huge miss, um, but a huge not miss for those two guys because, you know, they're getting big paydays. Right. Uh, but that I think that's ultimately what happened. I mean, you know, you the, the, the new regime that came in and was running things were bringing in their own people. Um, some people agree with some people don't that's here or there. That has nothing to do with this podcast. Uh, but uh, I just think that they thought that it had run their course. They got what they got could get out of the mileage wise and they weren't worth the money they wanted. And yeah. I just think that, that was the end all be all. And as sad as it is at the time, because I was there and it was sad, it sucked. Uh, that to me is what happened. Yeah. And, and if you want uh, any of the details about AJ Styles, our opinions on that, go back. That was one of our first episodes, Brian. So go back in the archives, check that out for the AJ Styles episode. Uh, so let's fast forward a little bit to uh, the summer of 2009, uh, June to be exact. Uh, you mentioned previously he joins the main event mafia after feuding with them for so long. Um, Two part one, do you believe Samoa Joe was a right fit for a faction? And two, was the main event mafia the right fit for him? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you got to think about the guys in it. You had Booker T, Scott Steiner, uh, Sting, Kurt Angle himself. Okay. Kevin so Nash was in there too, I believe. I thought I said him, did it not? He might have. I probably just okay. talked over it. I don't know. Who cares? Who cares? <laughs> We just said it. We said him twice, whatever. He's yes. he's big. He deserves to be mentioned twice. He's big. There you go. <laughs> big Kev. Uh, so anyway, uh, so yes, I do. Because he's the younger upcoming talent that's put with these big named Hall of Famers. And what does that do to them? Or actually to him, it just elevates him to the highest level he could be. And there was no bigger group and no bigger name group than the main event mafia or the front line. Uh, so Yes, I think that was the perfect thing to do. And I think whoever came up with that and put him in that was absolutely smart about doing it and made lots of sense to me. Yeah. And, 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 but they did it the right way. Um, obviously, towards the end of his run here. But for the most part, he really he, he did well in it, though. He, it was that different side of Joe that you normally that you didn't see before. You know, the suited up, booted up, you know, hair slicked back, what have you, society Samoa Joe that, you, you know, you didn't see because he was that rough, tough, you know, Samoan submission machine that would beat the shit out of you. Uh, but now he's like, oh, you know, he's corporate. I get, well, I get not corporate, but he's like, hi, I, I can't even think of the right terminology. But anyways. <laughs> no, no. I mean, no. What, what, what he, as Dusty Rhodes would say, he was a business man. Oh, of course. He was a business man. And that changed the way he, he did things in the rain. That changed his persona. So, no, it was great to see him different in, in that character. Uh, and you're right. It was different, very different than a Samoa Joe we've seen for many, many years. So, I, I, I dude, I think it was just uh, the right thing to do for him with him and in that group with those guys. I really do. Mm. You know, I want to get on one quick thing before we talk about his you know his end to tna and then his jump over to nxt and the main roster but um final resolution 2009 he took part in the feast or fired 
uh, match. He won a briefcase containing a TNA heavyweight championship match. Um, after, you know, being off TV for a little bit for whatever reason, uh, Samoa Joe returns in February um, on Impact Attacks AJ Styles, who just turned heel um, with Ric Flair and declared that he's been, uh, he would be using the Feaster Fire briefcase to get a shot at uh, Styles uh, championship against all odds. Uh, dude, I don't, I don't think of a bigger match than an AJ Styles versus Samoa Joe. None. There is none. And at that point in time, that was your rock versus Hogan. Right. And that, and you know what? It was, it was better than that. Uh, but it didn't have the, it didn't have the pull, uh, obviously as the Hogan rock, but I mean, it was an awesome, awesome moment and spectacle for that company. And it was just simply amazing to watch. Simply amazing. Yeah. Uh, you know, so for the better part of 2012, he'd be up and down all around TNA heavyweight uh, title run or t- title shots, tag team title wins. Uh, but ultimately in February of 2015, Joe parted ways with TNA, ending his run of a nearly a decade with the company. Um, and then as you alluded to, you know, they weren't going to pay him the amount that he wanted, thought he deserved. Uh, so he took his, uh, took his ball and went over to NXT and debuted during the main event as a face stopping Kevin Owens from attacking an injured Sammy Zayn with a chair and having a stare down with Kevin Owens. That was May 20th of 2015. Uh, up and down all around, you know, he would win the NXT championship at a live event against Finn Balor. Um, ultimately, we know what ends up happening. He gets hurt time and time again. They end up putting him on commentary, something that we talked about with Austin Aries kind of kind of took that route. You know, he got hurt. They put him on commentary. They put him in a kind of a, um, you know, backstage leadership role. That's not Samoa Joe, you know that he, he deserves to be on that. He deserves to be on camera in the ring. Oh, Joe, Joe's a worker, man. Um, you know, but that goes back to what I said earlier about Joe being a very smart guy. I mean, he was amazing on commentary. Mm-hmm. You go pull five guys out of a ring and say, don't wrestle anymore and get behind the table. And you watch what a shit show that becomes. Right. Not, not with Joe. No, sir. You, he sounded like a seasoned veteran announcer. He was awesome. I, I loved it a lot, actually. I liked his take on things and all that stuff. But uh, but you're right. That's not Joe. Um, he was probably the most unhappy he's ever been in his career. <laughs> uh, well, but yeah, it's but that's one of the things, too, though. It's like when you've had the career that he did, he had a Christ. He had a 19 month long undefeated streak in TNA when he debuted. How I I just is he one of those guys that you just. You know, the what if kind of scenario with TNA, it's the, he, is he the biggest star that, you know, they dropped the ball on? I mean, I, you could say that about AJ. You could say that yeah. about Frank Darian. I mean, you could say that about even Daniels, maybe. Yeah. Um, you could say that on a lot of people. I mean, like Bobby Roode. I mean, my God. Oh, finally, yeah. I mean, my God, what a ball they dropped for so long. And finally, he got the ball. Um, James Storm's another one. I mean, you know, so they tended to drop the ball many um, cause I just don't think that they knew what to do with what they had. Cause I mean, really, to be honest with you, they had a lot. Um, and I think it was just something that wasn't known really because 
they were trying to fight this other company. You know what I mean? And it, it, did they ultimately drop a ball on him? I guess. But I mean, uh, you know, honestly, you know, think about when Taz came in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, they, they did that shitty angle where he got taken away and then uh, kidnapped or whatever it was. Do you remember that? Taz? Oh, in, in TNA or in WWE? Yeah. No, TNA. T- oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. What a shit story. Um, you know, that you know that kind of stuff. That's what, you know, you build them up and then you tear them down. It was the kind of deal, you know. So it is what it is. I mean, the ball gets dropped on many guys in many companies. So it is what it is. We can always look at things hindsight 2020 and a bunch of guys, um, you know, I, we could name, we could, we could actually sit here for an hour and talk about guys that we feel have had the ball dropped on them. Sure. You know, before we get to our third count, we'll talk about a match that you were involved with um, with Samoa Joe. But ultimately, end of the day, he's still going, still part of AEW. Um, obviously, he's got to be part of that backstage, to, uh, you know, coaching guys and gals and what have you. Ultimately, at the end of the day, when he does hang it up, if he ever does, because technically you don't have to officially retire anymore, apparently. Uh, I did. Well true come on just go with it uh legacy what do you think of the legacy that he's gonna leave on this business i don't think we know yet um i really don't i don't think we know yet uh joe's got a lot to give and he's still giving and i think it's gonna continue to keep giving and and i i don't see it stopping anytime soon and um I mean, if he if he put the boots down right now, this this second, uh, his legacy is just Samoa Joe, a badass bitch, mm-hmm. um, but a great guy, man, and a smart businessman, and a, just a good dude, a guy that I would I would actually put on tights, or not really, but just like <laughs> hypothetically. There's a and, there's a picture. <laughs> no, you don't want to see it. <laughs> um, but uh, and, and getting that ring and wrestle, I would I would wrestle Samoa Joe tomorrow honestly, because I know he would take care of me and I know that I could get through it because that's what, how talented he was. Mm-hmm. I've seen him wrestle some some guys that probably shouldn't even be in the business. And, uh, man, what do they call that? You, you, you can't make chicken salad out of chicken shit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've seen him do it. I've seen him do it. So chicken shit may not be that bad. I don't know. <laughs> you know, one of those guys that he uh... – worked really well with was Austin Aries. So let's set it up for the third count and we'll talk about their match together. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your third count. count, count. Slammiversary 2012, Slammiversary 10 for the X Division Championship. You had Samoa Joe taking on the champion Austin Aries. Uh, Brian, this looking at it on paper, it doesn't, it makes sense. But when you, for the first time, if you're looking at this, watching this match, dude, obviously Samoa Joe's not 225 pounds. So that was a qualifications for the X division at that time in 2012. But Hulk Hogan said that uh, he was going old school and was allowing Samoa Joe to wrestle for the X division championship against Austin Aries here. Uh, like I said, 2012, June 10th from the college park center in Arlington, Texas, 5,500 fans. Uh, 
dude, the crowd was into it for this match. I, you were part of it. Do you remember anything leading up to this? Are they talking, you know, in the ring? Are they talking before, before they get out there? Oh yeah. They, uh, they were together right much of the day. Um, I spent a lot of time in the ring with them both. And uh, they were both very passionate about what kind of match they wanted to have. Uh, and it, it, it was just really interesting to hear two guys that are basically both very intellectual uh, talk about where they wanted to go and the story they wanted to give and tell. So, yeah, there was a, it, was a, it was put together well, and it, and it took a while to get it put together. Was Joe always one of those guys – that said, Hey, let's just, well, I'll see you out there. Or was he going to get like a few kind of bullet points? Um, I had a schedule before the match. Um, Joe could do either or, um, he could do either or, I mean, he could get in that ring with Austin Aries that same night, that same day and call it all out there. Uh, he could also just do what we did and put stuff together and make, make sense. Um, but you know, this was Slammiversary, which is their biggest pay-per-view. Right. Uh, their WrestleMania. So obviously that's not something you want to do on that day because <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, that's just not good. That You can't do shit like that. Right. But you also keep in mind too, Brian, this is also the first match of the pay-per-view. So in, ultimately it's like, okay, well, you're going to basically put on a hell of a show because well, you're not, because you got, you know, you got a lot behind you. Got everything right. behind you, actually. <laughs> Well, you, you, you saw the match. Um, yeah. You watched it. Would you want to follow that? I don't think, honestly, to be honest with you, I don't think I ever want to follow a match between either one of these guys because it, it's, it, there wasn't, you know, the crowd was so much into us. They're going back and forth. They're dueling chance. You know, allegedly you got Austin Aries as a heel here. He's getting cheered. You got Samoa Joe as a face. He's getting booed. So it's like, okay, this is, the believability factor was involved here in this match, I believe. Oh, yeah. I mean, so you have to remember, you have to remember, okay? So, and it's also a little bit like this as a referee, not as much as the boys, okay? So I'm not even going to act like that. I'm just saying in general. Where would you want to be in front of a sold-out crowd? So here's the boys. They know they have a hot angle going on. They know they have a title on the line. They know they're getting ready to go out there in front of thousands of people. Sold out, ready to watch this event, and you're the first one on that night. Mm-hmm. I don't think you're going to have more eyes and ears watching intently like they are that first match. And the reason why is because they see so much after that first match into the third match, into the fourth match, mm-hmm. by the fifth, sixth, seventh match. You better have some good shit planned because they're going to get burnt out because they can't stand on their, you know, they, their feet all night long. And, you know, even in the main event, obviously that's what sells pay-per-views is the main event. And then you have your, you know, your under matches that go along with it. Your co-main events, I guess we could say mm-hmm. your co-main events that help also sell, you know, even then, you know, they've seen a lot all night long as far as being a fan. So to me, there's nothing more like a hair raising goosebump feeling than walking out as that first initial match to start and just put that pay-per-view um, on notice that this thing is live, this motherfucker, we're going to rock your world. Sure. And that, that's a, that's a tremendous pressure, but it's also a tremendous honor. And a yeah. lot of guys don't feel that way. And I think that's silly to not feel that way. 
So a little peek behind the curtain too. The rest of this card, I'll just read off a few of them for you. You got uh, Mr. Anderson uh, defeated Jeff Hardy and Rob Van Dam to become the number one contender for the TNA World Championship. You got James Storm over Crimson. You got AJ Styles and Kurt Angle defeating Influence Daniels and Kazarian to win the tag team titles. And then the main event is Bobby Roode, your heavyweight champion, taking on and defeating Sting. So, holy shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? You go here in 2000, even towards here in 2012, man, I still say, and I've, and I've told you this before, I, but when you got there in 2008, maybe a little bit before that, I'll, I'll say generously, I'll say 2006 to be, to be generous. 2006, for the better part of six years, to 2012 here, that roster was stacked, you know, and you didn't think you had a great roster at that point, but you know, you're looking back on it now and it's like legitimate hall of famers, multiple time heavyweight champions. Oh, and it's just unreal. Yeah, it is. Um, and it's amazing to actually go back and look at the roster that there was there from 2006, to 2012. Absolutely amazing. Look at where these guys are now. Look at what things were then. And it, it's absolutely amazing. Um, you know, and, and I, we, we've talked about this before, and I'll say it again on the on this show. It's just really sad the way things went um, for TNA. And uh, I think things could have been so much better had things had worked out and, you know, continued to stay mainstream like they were with the Spike TV deal and things like that. Uh, but, you know, Joe was the catalyst behind all that. I mean, you know, one of these – huge faces and names that, that helped carry this product. And without Joe, you know, what, 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 what did you really have really? Because that was your Goldberg. That was your Goldberg of TNA. And I think that's where the Goldberg story all came from was TNA. I really do. So we're going to see a, a really good back and forth here. Uh, and the fans are hot man for this. They really are. And it's interesting to see. Because they always, I think that the adage of, hey, we're always going to, people are cheering the heels started here. Did Joe and uh, Aries ever have any issue with starting the, starting a pay-per-view? No, not at all. I don't remember any anyway. Um, um, I would think if anything, you know, Aries would maybe take exception to that and say that, uh, because Aries is that guy, he's just a huge, huge competitor. Um, uh, would probably have said, you know, this should have been semi kind of thing. Um, mm -hmm. where Joe was like, "Hey, man, don't don't worry about that. Let's 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 kick this motherfucker off and make everybody wonder why the hell we started this off with this because this was too good." Um, but no, I don't. I I don't know that. I I just think if anybody would have had a gripe, it would have been Aries, but I don't, I don't think so. Mm -hmm. Not with Joe. Yeah. You know, and another thing that I, actually, I found interesting in this match, well, there's no ref bump. You didn't take the bump. There was one that was teased where you were basically, you know, you're backed up into the turnbuckle and Joe was talking to you and Aust Aries came at you or came at Joe to get him from behind and you saw it coming and you moved and so did Joe and he went into the turnbuckle. But was there any 
any input from you or is it just basically between them as far as, Hey, let's do this. Let's do that. Oh no, there was no, no, no influence on anybody. It's the first match. You don't ref ball. Yeah. Uh, um, first match of the night, you, you can't throw the kitchen sink out and then nobody has anything left for the rest of the night. So no, um, you, you just, you protect the, the rest of the car for the rest of the night. So, you know, that was another reason why I was so glad that I was on the first because I knew I wouldn't get ref bump. That'd be great. <laughs> well, you, you don't be earning your, uh, earning your check that night. Uh, I'm sure I took later on in the show somewhere. I'd have to go back and look at the paper, watch a pay-per-view again. Uh, but with Samoa and Joe and, and uh, Aries, obviously you said Samoa Joe took care of everybody he worked with. Obviously there's a big weight difference, size difference between Joe and Aries. Aries is a strong ass dude. He wins here with a brain buster. Joe ain't a light or a, a cruiserweight that can just throw up into a brain buster and beat him. Uh, how good was, you know, how well do you think they really work together? I thought they worked great together. Their chemistry was amazing. Yeah. Um, if you go back and watch that match, I mean, there, there was no downtime either in that match. They just went, 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 went. Um, just a great, also technical match, which was probably surprising to a lot of people, but not me. Uh, but yeah, I mean, their, their chemistry together and the way they wanted to tell story was, was just absolutely amazing and just made so much sense. And just that match was just really, really, really well done. That's the way you start off a show. And, uh, you know, I just can't say enough about both of them two and the, the chemistry they had because it was just simply amazing. Yeah. So if you take a look in the show notes here, guys, anybody is listening to this, Wednesday or after the fact, the link to the match will be right in, in the show notes here. Uh, you can go find it on YouTube. I would strongly, strongly suggest that you watch it. Um, and, and that's strictly just because we're doing it strictly because it's a great match. Uh, and you know, not too many matches that go on first can be great matches like this. That's for sure. No, they can't. And, and just a side note, you know, we, we don't put matches in there that are just because I did them. They're partially because of that, but they're also great matches that you really should go back and watch. Um, and this is definitely, definitely, definitely one of those that you should do because it was absolutely phenomenal. I mean, just really, really good. Um, I, I just don't know what other descriptive words I can use, but it, it's just a really good match and something that you'll be entertained with. How long was that match, RJ? Do you know? Uh, it was, you don't uh, know, no. no, no, I'm looking it up right now. I believe it was like, uh, I want to say like 10, 11 minutes. That's it. Um, uh, look, this was a uh, destination or Slammiversary 10, right? Yeah. Slammiversary 10. I mean, uh, I would think the look. opener would have been at least 15, 13, 15. Let me look at this here. I just, I just had, it. I don't know why I showed it. 11 minutes, 44 seconds. Wow. You were close. All right. So, wow. So 12 minutes, so basically 12 minutes, bell to bell. Uh, or, or, or interest of Bell, sorry. Right. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, you know, it's 12 minutes of freaking excitement where these guys beat the shit out of each other, reverse, did this, did that. Uh, wonderful. And it's only 12 minutes, guys. Get on YouTube. Get on the link. Yeah. Go to I, I, I would highly suggest it right here, seriously, because I don't, uh, like I said, there's not too many, uh, there's not too many matches that, like we said, that will, uh, they will stand up to tell, tell the time. Tells time. It really does. And I have homework for any of my listeners. Any of my listeners, if you see a bad Joe match, please send that to me via text. Uh, yeah. Oh, 
wait a minute, you can't text me. Um, you can, you, <laughs> DM. Yeah, you can you can DM me or you can tweet me, whatever you want to do. Just please let me know when you find that bad match because I, I don't think you'll find one. Um, so do your research. Yeah, no, no I'm tr- I'm trying to find it, it, trying to find what Meltzer gave it, but I can't find it right now. Um, anyways, who cares, who cares what Meltzer gave him? And I I still I still give it five stars. The hell with it. Would have been it would have been seven stars if it was in the Tokyo Dome. Uh, well, I, I love Meltzer. Not that I don't like Meltzer. It's just that I don't I don't understand how he does that sometimes. It's very like, subject very subjective. I I, I just uh, do it because I like to poke fun of uh, poke fun of people. So hey, good lord. Oh well. Any anyways, that was everything Samoa Joe, dude. I I don't think there is a more consummate professional than Samoa Joe in this business. A guy that gives that gave his body for this business and continues to do that. And I believe that we'll continue to do that outside the ring too. And like you said, very smart man. And I, you know, I think he's a wealth of knowledge and I think AEW did, did him justice picking him up. I think AEW did a really good job and got really lucky to, to land somebody like that. Mm -hmm. And he brings so much to the table. And I know that, you know, someone like Annie, a smaller, um, Annie, AEW, (laughs) Sorry, not shopping networks for you, um, <laughs> but uh, but no, I think that a company like AEW, which is a s- smaller company, likes guys with lots of hats, mm-hmm. uh, which is normal. I've been used to that my whole life and career, and that's that, that's cool. And Joe does and can wear a lot of hats, so that's because he's a smart man. Goats to him, and just what a wonderful guy, man! What a wonderful guy, no doubt. Uh, and and somebody else that wears a lot of hats is uh, going to be the main event of next week's episode. We're going to be going over Mickey James, uh, somebody that you're very familiar with, worked a lot with her in TNA there. Uh, we're going to be going over her match versus Deanna Perrazzo from Hard to Kill 2022 from Dallas, Texas, in a Texas death match. A lot of good stories coming out of this one, right, Brian? Texas death match in Texas. That makes sense, right? Well, of course, it wouldn't yeah. be like a it wouldn't be like a Philly street fight or anything, you know. No, no, let's not, let's not do a Philly street fight in Texas. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, yeah, this is gonna be a fun episode. Uh, Mickey is my uh, my girl. Uh, she's from Virginia, obviously. If you didn't know, Richmond, Virginia, uh, we have a two up, two down uh, relationship. If you don't know what that is, we'll talk about that next week. Um, but also, um, there's some. Pretty funny stuff that went on in that match that's going to be very intriguing for uh, uh, you guys to hear about. Uh, pretty funny, but we'll get into all that. But no, no, very, very excited about this episode as well. Like I said, she's my homegirl and uh, love her to death. And she's a Virginia girl, so that make that qualifiers her much higher than a lot of other uh, people. So, Yeah, I don't know what I'll be able to do next week with two Virginians. So, But hey, I'll, I'll manage. I've managed before. So anyways... Okay. Uh, <laughs> well before we'll show, we close what's that we'll show you how to do it well if it makes you feel any better i almost lived in virginia I, when i got out of college i am i interviewed in um fairfax and is there false falls church virginia there is a falls church virginia but fairfax does not count as virginia what is that maryland no it's it is virginia but it's not virginia and no we that's we, we call that the I don't know. Call it whatever you want. It's just not Virginia. It's a fucking northern bullshit. It was like city or something. It's just one of those 
places where all these high uppity people live, probably such as yourself, um, that just are so opinionated. Just get off my Lexus. Get off my my Swatch Watch. I mean, <laughs> go away. Go, go, just go to D.C. Fuck. I'm going to isolate that and just use that as a drop or something. Um, but that's coming up next week. We're going to be talking everything Mickey James. But before we close shop, couple shout outs this week as always if you're not following jd hoop online make sure you follow his absolutely phenomenal work he delivers each and every week for us for this show with the great graphics follow him on twitter and instagram at jd702 crap i almost i, I had a brain uh, aneurysm there for a second i forgot what his uh, handle was um but also man aj mckay man can't say enough good of things about him either. Not at all. Um, I'm waiting on our surprise, man. Uh-oh. I know. I'm waiting on it, too. Um, we'll figure out what that is, when it is, whatever it is. I don't know. And, um, yeah, man, the graphics are just amazing. I really want to, like, get a shirt that's got every graphic of every episode we did on the back and just put refing it up on the front and just, hmm. like, that'd be awesome. Um, I'll uh, let me uh, let me message him. See what I can find out. See if he can, you know, it kind of like because I think this is uh, we got to have an even amount though. That's a problem though because if it's going to be uh, you know, universally, you know, like a like a block, you know what I mean? Well, I would think he could do the small logo like he does and put them all well, on right. His... That, right, that's what I'm saying. Be an even amount though, so there's not like one out out in the middle of oh. nowhere, but. But anyways, that's that's beside the point. That's something I can mention to him too. But no, definitely something that we can uh, we can put out there as well. But um, yeah, it's just absolutely phenomenal. Check him out. All the the links to AJ McKay's website and uh, JD Hoop, uh, all his socials are right there in the show notes as well as ours. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Reffing It Up. Brian, close up shop tonight. What else you got? Not a damn thing. Um, Amen to that. Uh-huh. Yep. Um, get ready to roll out of here. Go pick up my daughters from softball practice. They're probably mad I'm not there, but hey, I gotta pay the bills. You know what I mean? Just practice. We're talking practice. It's just practice. Yes. <laughs> it's just no show because they're that damn good. Exactly. But uh, but no, no, uh, but no, I don't have anything to say. Just uh, like always, you can always follow me at baby Hebner on Twitter and Instagram. Um Obviously, as I've retired from wrestling, I'm becoming more active on Twitter, uh, which is I don't even know if it's good or bad. Um, I tend to try and put it down at 11 or five, <laughs> um, just so I don't say things I shouldn't. Um, did say I wouldn't say things I don't mean. I just don't want to say things that I shouldn't say. Uh, but anyway, no, I'm I'm, I'm cool. Uh, just yeah, man. I just really do appreciate um each and every one of you listeners, and uh, this is another good week, and we're ready to do. Mickey James for you next week. And uh, yeah, let's do it, baby. Well, you know, it at least gives us uh, show information or show um, show topics when you go online and you stay online until 11 o'clock or midnight or after. So I, I, I know the listeners appreciate it. And I appreciate it too, because it's easy for me to work up this uh, rent sheet for you too. So it works. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> and I really do. Um, I really do appreciate all the, uh, comments that i got about talking about today's wrestling referees i got a lot of a lot of response to that and uh i wish I, my plan today was to actually read some of them 
but me and you don't like doing really long shows unless there's a reason to. And we cover what we wanted to cover, and that, that that's good enough. Uh, I, you know, and just so you guys know, we like to do about an hour, 15, hour, 20. That gives you the gym time. And that's how I work off of the shows. And me and RJ discussed this when we first came into Fruitation. Uh, but we'll go along sometimes when we have guests and things like that. And that's okay because I'm, I'm sure you guys want to hear about the guests and hear from what they've got to say and all that stuff. But yeah, so maybe I will wrap that into something, you know, later on. But uh, feel free to hit me up on Twitter and your comments and stuff do not go unnoticed. And we will Definitely. try and get some stuff like that, you know, on the show. Definitely. And we'll see you all right here next week on Reffing It Up with Brian Hebner. One, two, three. <laughs>